Sports and the Thrive15.com World Headquarters. Let's go! Presenting the world's only business school without the BS with optometrist and entrepreneur Dr. Robert Zellner and the Forest Small Business Administration Entrepreneur of the Year in your ear, Clay Clark. It's the Thrive Time Show on Talk Radio 1170. Three, two, one. Boom, 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 and boom. Welcome back to the Thrive Time Show on your radio. My name is Clay Clark, the former U.S. SBA Entrepreneur of the Year, sent here to make your financial troubles disappear. And today we are really honing in on the topic of leadership. Leadership? We're talking about leadership. And why are we talking about leadership? Well, because somebody needs to lead the ship. Uh, through the tricky waters of entrepreneur uh, of entrepreneurship, you know, as an entrepreneur, you are out there. Um, you know, you, you work so hard when you start a business just to sell something. You're just hoping that your product will eventually solve a problem for your ideal and likely buyer. Maybe you already have a product or service that will solve a problem for your ideal and likely buyer, but you're just hoping, you're praying, you're just wanting anybody to buy your product. Well, then after you begin to sell the product. Uh, to two people, to three people, to four. Pretty soon, you got to hire a guy. You know, you got to hire a guy. We all, we all need a guy. I need a guy to help me uh, make the product, or to help answer the phone, or to maybe need a lady. But usually, you know, a guy. So you hire a guy to help you come on in, help you with your business, or you're a lady. You hire another lady to help you with the business. And now there's two of you. So it's you and the other person against the world. And then eventually there's three people because you're doing it so well. You know, you're selling it, you're fulfilling it, and now people start telling each other. And so you start generating this, generating this crazy thing called word of mouth. Well, once you get that word of mouth going, now you start to get that momentum going where people are telling people, other people are telling people. And so now you got to hire somebody to do probably some accounting because it's, you know, you're one person selling, one person fulfilling, and then somebody else doing the accounting. Well, then once that starts to go really well, then you got to hire another person to do sales or marketing, and it just keeps going and going. And then you look up one day and you go, man, I have built uh, a big company. You know, according to Forbes, eight out of 10 uh, small businesses do not make it. They, they, they fail. But if you are one of those businesses that, that does make it, um, and, and by the way, if you listen to this show and you implement the action items that we teach right here on the Thrive Time Business Coach radio show, you're definitely going to be successful. If you implement the moves, you're definitely going to be successful. And I'm going to take time out of my schedule today to brag on many Thrive uh, clients that we work with. We call them Thrivers, but people right here in the city of Tulsa who are getting it done consistently. And so the first example would be Kirkpatrick and Lie Orthodontics. If you've never had a chance to go into Kirkpatrick and Lie Orthodontics, maybe your teeth are straight and you're saying, why would I go in there if my teeth are straight? Well, you know somebody who needs a tune-up with the grill, a tune-up with the teeth. Maybe you, maybe you have a, a, a child. Uh, my daughter's 12. We're sitting over to Kirkpatrick and Lie. He's been putting braces in faces since a, since a, for, for a long time. We'll just say for a long time. Well, he's doing it so well. The team is doing it so well. They have multiple locations to serve you. And if you want to check them out, it's klortho.com. But if you're one of those rare humans that's doing what you do so well that people are coming back and bringing friends, now you have to shift into this new role, this new role. You're moving from the role of the entrepreneur, from the guy who does everything all the time, into this role where you now have to become a leader. You have to become the lady, the man in charge of a group of people, and that is where dysfunction typically begins to occur. We see this all the time, 
as uh, uh, Thrive Business Coaches, we see a business that does really, really well when they have a small number of people. But once they begin to insert larger and larger numbers of people, uh, they, they begin to have a hard time uh, basically keeping up with the leadership demands. And, and there's not really um, a lot of people out there teaching how real leadership works. There's a lot of people teaching how leadership should work, but they're not teaching how it really works. And this is how it works. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to maybe tee this up here for you. Because as leaders, it's our job to hold people accountable, right? And to produce results for our partners, our customers, uh, my wife. And this will inevitably produce a constant source of conflict. Well, why? Well, because very few humans are going to seek out to, very few humans are going to seek out to be friends with people who provide them with a constant stream of relentless criticism and correction. I mean, how many people do you know that would love to have a just, oh, you know, I'm making a list of all the things I'm looking for uh, from a friend. And basically, one of the top, you know, things I'm looking for is somebody that will always criticize me. I'm looking for somebody who will always point out what I'm doing wrong. Somebody will always try to push me to be better. Somebody's always holding me accountable to key performance indicators. No, that's not what we look for in humans. But as a leader, that's what you have to do. In fact, most people, I would argue, consciously or subconsciously seek out endless sources of praise and encouragement regardless of how false it may be. You know, I have this, I have this belief that false kindness is the same thing as lying but then again, you know, I'm the kind of guy who can spend an entire day in the box that rocks by myself hosting a radio show. I mean, it's kind of a mental disorder to be able to host a show by yourself for two hours of power, you know. So maybe I'm just a sociopath. But if you're somebody who's focused on holding your team accountable, you're going to fail if your team does not sincerely like you. Like you. Have you ever thought about that? What does it mean to like you? And how is it that you're going to hold people accountable to actually doing what, what they need to do, and yet you're going to make them want to do it. I mean, how do you balance that? It's, it's, I, I, just as an example, I think about the elephant in the room, our men's grooming lounge chain that we have. We have three locations to serve you in Tulsa. And if you're listening, and I know you are, it's only a dollar for your first haircut. So just go to EITRlounge.com and book that first haircut. But don't just do it because your business coach told you. Go up there and read the reviews and check it out. But here's the thing is, the elephant in the room, we have an, a, a checklist every day, right? So we have a checklist for cleaning the bathrooms. We have a checklist for such uh, deep topics as uh, closing down the shop, you know, as uh, putting out the signs, as checking the voicemail. I mean, we have these checklists and everything must be done. And what happens is when you follow up with people about the checklist, they'll say such smart things as, well, I pre, pre-filled out the, the, the checklist uh, because I, I didn't want to forget. Uh, you know, this is actually something that somebody told me. I'm not exaggerating. I literally went to, I, I literally went to a member of our team and said, did you fill out the, the, the checklist, you know, the opening checklist? Because it looks like you just drew a line through it, and I've noticed that you forgot a few steps. And then on the closing checklist, it looks like you forgot to lock the door and, you know, it just seems like you're forgetting stuff, but yet I'm looking on the, on the checklist and it, looks, and it looks like you're drawing a line through it. And this is, honest to God, this is what the person said in a meeting. They go, well, the, the, the reason why I, I did it was because I didn't want to forget the checklist. And I know that it affects my pay and my bonuses if I forget to do it. So I wanted to go ahead and pre-fill it out. Well, if that is what's going on in your cranium, I mean, wow, we should study that, right? So what happens is when you hold someone accountable, 
People then begin to justify. They begin to argue. Very, very few people are just immediately coachable and sincerely want to know how to get better. But the thing is, you've got to be able to hold your team accountable and be able to keep, to keep them uh, engaged and liking you. And so here's my notable quotable that I want to give to you, courtesy of from, from me to you. So I wrote this uh, you know, myself, uh, the America's most humble uh, business uh, radio show host uh, for you. So here you go. You, you can jot this down. Success is hard to find when laughter is not present. What? Success is hard to find when laughter is not present. And what I found is that humor can prove to be the conversational lubricant that you need to remove the tension from the most unpleasant management and accountability related conversations. You see, humor and even 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 just consistent attempts at humor will make you more enjoyable to be around. And it'll actually make your relentless follow-up about, you know, terrible things like making a profit, honoring, you know, the commitments you made to customers. You know, things like that. Things like lock the door. Things like did you call your leads? Things like, you know, did you check the email? It'll make that more tolerable for your teammates. And so you have to go out of your way to make sure that you are bringing uh, humor to the workplace. Now, as leaders, you and I must remember that the effective execution of business plans involves this consistent engagement in activities that would typically, you know, just typically create animosity in every other human relationship. Outside of the world of, uh, of business, I mean, correcting somebody uh, is is generally seen as impolite. I mean, out, outside of the 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 lines of, of business, uh, judging someone based upon the results that they actually produce would be considered to be uh, sociopathic. I mean, at best, you would say you like to read a lot of. Uh, you've read Atlas Shrugged. Okay, so I get you're into objectivism. That's what you do. If you were not leading a business, holding someone accountable to hitting their daily key performance indicators would be considered like the perfect recipe for becoming a social outcast. I mean, could you imagine your friend, let's say your friend John, he pulls you aside one day and he says, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get in shape. I want to, I'm going to start working out at the gym. You know, I want to go every day. I'm going to be there. I'm going to start working out. I'm changing my diet. I'm really getting serious. You know, 2017, new me, 2017, I'm going to be lean. You know, he ordered the the old Billy Blades workout stuff. He's got the old. He, his move was he went on to, to Craigslist and bought all the old stuff. The stuff that's still good, but the old stuff. He, he got P90X. He's got the shake weight. You're kind of laughing when you saw the shake weight. But he's got the Billy Blades. He's got all the. Who's the lady from? Uh, uh, what is what is the show? The Extreme uh, uh, Weight Loss Show. The one that Danny Cahill from Broken Arrow was on. Jillian. He's got her stuff. You know. He's got all these accoutrements. All these all these uh, 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 modalities. He's going to use, but then you see him the next day, and he's like eating a pizza, you know. And he's, and he's and you see him the next week, and he's, you know, maybe even gained some weight, or he's not working out at all. You, you, you see him eating some fries, and then you know, because you're his buddy, right? I mean, do you say, hey, 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 you are not doing your job. You are not doing what you said you're gonna do. You're not hitting your key performance indicators, buddy. Therefore, I'm just educating you, and I must hold you accountable to a higher standard. No, you don't do that with your friends, right? I mean, as a general rule, I mean, friends is sort of like the the uh, uh, false kindness zone where you basically never say anything that would ever have the potential to offend any of your friends or family because you want to, uh, I don't know, stay in their good graces, right? But in the world of business, if you're not candid with your people, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You've got to hold your team accountable. And it's a thing where if you don't hold your team accountable, 
they're going to what fall to the level of what? Somebody help me. Somebody help me. Expectation, right? So you can expect what you accept. Someone needs to write that down. You can expect what you inspect, right? So when you inspect something, that's what you can expect from your team. Whatever you expect from your team, whenever you're saying, I want my team to do this, you really can't, uh, you know, bet on it unless you're willing to inspect. You've got to inspect. It's just, if you don't do it, and when you inspect, you're always going to find that someone's cutting corners, not doing what they said they can do. And so in the world of business, results, accountability, and key performance indicators do matter. And that is where having the ability to lighten the mood and to get your team to laugh comes into play. And so it's my aim, it's my goal here to equip you with five super moves, five proven super moves for relieving the tension of any business situation. And for, and, and and maybe, possibly, developing your sense of humor. I know you're a serious person. You listen to Talk Radio 1170 because you're listening to serious things. You want to stay in the news. You want to stay in the in the know. You want to know what's going on with the world and the economy and, and, and terrorism. And you, just, you, you like to stay educated. You're somebody who wants to know the state of the political affairs. And you're a serious measured person. But we also it's okay because it's okay to laugh a little bit. And so when we come back, I'm gonna play an, I'm gonna play some funny intros today, but I'm gonna play an intro when we come back that I made for a friend of mine named Dr. Joe Lai. Now true, he is an orthodontist. And true, you know, uh, helping people straighten their teeth is, is no laughing matter, but uh, we like to have a lot of fun along the way. So stay tuned. It's the Thrive Time Business Coach Radio Show. Stay tuned. I'm Ken P. Lott, and I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Professional painting by Ken. Uh, quite a bit of stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff I know that I needed to do but didn't know how to do it. Uh, Web page, uh, how to hire people, sales, uh, making a schedule, making programs. I mean, just a lot of stuff. I mean, it's overwhelming, but it's good stuff that you can actually put to practice right away. It's a lot different than I expected. Uh, been to different workshops and uh, you just waiting for the sales punch, you know, and they give you ideas and stuff, but it's always 10 years down the road when you can actually apply the stuff that they're trying to promote. And this is not like that at all. It's very ground level, help you start a business and maintain and grow a bigger business. I like it a lot because he makes you feel comfortable, makes you laugh, so it opens you up to receive and hear better. Uh, this is great. It's a lot of interaction. You, you can ask him questions, you can help, he can, I mean if you don't understand something he can explain it more. So it's very, very helpful. I mean, it's, they're missing a lot because uh, a lot of businesses uh, probably do some of the steps that he's teaching, but there's so much they can learn and to easy steps that they'll grow their business even better. It's not like any other workshop I've ever been to. Um, it's very laid back and a lot of information it's a comfortable setting. It's it's awesome. It's a really good good experience. Brush your teeth because they are in your head. 
crooked teeth make them straight instead. <laughs> Putting braces in the faces is what they do. Kirkpatrick and lie straight in teeth for you. If your teeth aren't straight and you want to fix your smile, call Dr. Joe Lie. Don't live in denial. Dr. Joe's got that mojo, so visit his dojo. Go visit his website, KOOrtho. KOOrtho.com. Putting braces in faces for both kids and moms. You got the teeth, he got the skills. Call him George Foreman because he's selling everybody grills. And now, more from a man who's never been called beautiful, your host, Clay Clark. Oh, whenever the epic radio voice guy reads an intro that just doesn't come across as very flattering, you know, it just kind of takes my, uh, uh, you know, confidence down a notch. I, mean, I, was feel- I was feeling very good this past weekend. You know, my son has started this insane, uh, It's I, I really don't appreciate what my son's doing here. My son is, is uh, uh, 10 years old, and what he's doing is he's discovered that if he tells people that he has a landscaping service, if he says, if you want a nine-year-old, you know, to mow my to, to mow your lawn, just just call my mom. You know, if he, he understands that if he tells people this little jingle, you know, if he says, hey, you know, he's ten, you know, so he says, if you want a ten-year-old to mow my lawn, just call my mom. He's discovered that it works, and so people keep going to Motown Tulsa and booking their lawns. And so this wonderful lady who I uh, uh, believe is part of the Illuminati and who's trying to end uh, my time freedom, um, she um, booked my son to mow a lawn, Grace. And so we're mowing Grace's lawn, then we're mowing uh, my, my mom's lawn, and then we're mowing a lady who lives over there by 91st uh, between Yale and Sheridan. We're mowing her lawn, and we're and then we're mowing Robert's lawn. It just seems like we're mowing a lot of lawns. And what I'm trying to not do is I'm trying not to start – a landscaping business, but people keep going to MotownTulsa.com and booking my son. Now listen, 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 Tulsa. Let's let's level here. Let's be serious. I am not looking to create a landscaping company. I've already done that. I've already built it. I've already sold it. It was a very profitable, very nice venture. But right now, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create time freedom and uh, uh, for myself. I'm in, I'm enjoying my time freedom. I, I've built the time freedom. I'm enjoying it. I hop on the box that rocks. Hop in the box that rocks with you guys, and I record this show. And typically, Dr. Robert Zellner is here with me on the program, but today he's out expanding his vast entrepreneurial empire. You know, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but he's been in business for 25 years over there at Dr. Robert Zellner and Associates. And uh, he has an auto auction, you know, Z66AA.com. He has A to Z Medical. They have an extermination service. I mean, things are going well. They do. Uh, they have a sleep center. I mean, I could go on and on. He's involved in Regent Bank. Dr. Z is involved in a lot of things, and I, I appreciate him for, for joining us ever. I mean, it's, it's he's, because he's always busy. But uh, today he's out expanding his empire, and uh, my son really, really took me to the bottom this weekend because he's like, Dad, you know, we got to go mow these lawns. And so I mow the, the lawns with my son, and it's getting to be intense. We now had four lawns to get to. It's starting to take off. And, uh, you know, then the radio show host, you know, he could, could say, like, ah, oh, folks, coming up next, now we got America's Most Beautiful Man. Or he could say, all right, folks, America's most Tulsa, uh, humble Tulsan. But instead, he just, uh, you know, constantly gives me that type of self-deprecating humor that uh, America's a fan of. So Thrive Nation, we're talking today about success. It's hard to find when laughter is not present. We're talking about leadership and why if you're going to be a leader today, you've absolutely got to get uh, to a place where you've established some type of sense of humor. You've got to have a sense of humor because if you do not have a sense of humor, you're just going to lose more often. And I'll, and I'll give you some examples. When you're when you're in business and you're trying to hold somebody accountable to key performance indicators 
and they missed the mark on purpose or they forgot or you've already had this conversation, then it's my aim during today's show to equip you with five proven super moves for releasing the tension in any business situation and for developing your overall sense of humor. You know, I used to travel around the world doing speaking events for Hewlett Packard, um, O'Reilly Auto Parts, name dropper, um, for, let's go with uh, Maytag University, you're a name dropper, for UPS, stop dropping names, for OxyFresh, uh, for my mother in her living room, uh, I did one speaking event, and so, uh, but the thing is, I've studied a lot of humor, and I'm going to give you the abbreviated cliff notes, so move number one, if you're saying, I don't know, I don't know how to be funny, I've got to hold people accountable, freaking hey, the people are really starting to irritate me, how do I do it? Well, one is you want to use self-deprecation. Self-deprecation. Now, Warren Buffett once said, this is Warren Buffett, okay? So Warren Buffett, let's go ahead and Google Warren Buffett. Let's do it. Warren Buffett. I'm Googling Warren Buffett. Everybody Google with me now. Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Net worth, what is it today? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. And now, here's the thing about Warren Buffett. You need to keep him in your prayers. You need to put him on your refrigerator because... You know, things have been rough for Warren Buffett. He's only worth $74.6 billion. Billion dollars. But did you know that Warren Buffett said that the number one, the A number one, the most important training that he ever received was on what? It's okay. I'll go ahead and wait. And I'm a solo guy on a radio show, so it could get awkward. But what, 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 do, you, what do you think that he... Uh, studied. What, what did what did Warren study? What did he? What he said? What was it? What he says? The number one most impactful training. Oh, was it the training from Benjamin Graham on how to invest? Uh, no. Was it? Uh, no. I'll, I'll tell you. What he, he said was Dale Carnegie, the Dale Carnegie Institute, the training that they provided for him on how to become a better communicator. He said that was the number one training he ever received. Well, then the next question is, well, who's Dale Carnegie? Well, Dale, Car Dale Carnegie is the guy who wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. He has a phenomenal communication uh, training program. And, and Warren Buffett said that's the number one most impactful uh, training he's ever received in his life. He actually said that he took the certificate that they gave him over there at uh, 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 the Dale Carnegie Institute, and he, put, he took down his college diploma, and he put that up instead. And for those of you who are listening who are doubting, you know, I don't believe you, then you should go to uh, uh, YouTube and uh, you should uh, play uh, the little uh, sound clip of Warren Buffett. I, I tell you what, I'll, I'll just, I will go ahead and play you the soundbite of Warren Buffett explaining that the training that he received at the Dale Carnegie Institute was, in fact, the most impactful training he's ever received in his life. I'll, I'll play that for you after the break when we come back here. So Warren Buffett says, he says, I buy expensive suits. They just look cheap on me. <laughs> now, why did Warren Buffett say that? He says, I buy expensive suits. They just look cheap on me. Why, why does he say that? Well, he says that because he's a pragmatic guy who also preaches invest in businesses any idiot could run because someday one will. I mean, imagine that you, you hear that from your, your head guy. Imagine that you hear from the head of your company, the head of Berkshire Hathaway. Imagine that your company is in his portfolio, and he says, Invest in businesses an idiot, any idiot could run because someday one will. What if you're thinking to yourself, well, am I the idiot? Am I the one he's talking about? Is he talking about me? Well, Warren's self-deprecation and self-awareness is what makes his shrewdness tolerable. You know, you see, he wouldn't be tolerable 
as a pragmatic person if he didn't have that sense of humor. So the thing about Warren Buffett that makes it possible for him to be so candid and so intense with some of the words and, and thought processes that he has is in statements he makes is because he is a humorous person. He uses self-deprecation all the time. He's constantly making fun of himself. It's Warren Buffett who said, I buy expensive suits. They just look cheap on me. That's a, that's a, that's a great way. I mean, Warren Buffett is self-aware, and he's able to make that statement. And because he's able to make that statement, the people who work for him say, you know what? Warren Buffett is a likable guy. Stay tuned. It's the Thrive Time Show on your radio. We're teaching all about humor and leadership today. My name is Nikki Warren, and I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. The name of my business is The Mocha Butterfly and I'm a fashion designer. So I heard about the Thrive Time Business Workshops through a dear friend of mine, and I got a chance to meet with Clay and Dr. Z, and uh, as I talked to them a little bit more, uh, I loved what they were doing, and it just made me you know, more intrigued because I really wanted to grow my business. Well, what I've learned is that uh, for, for my business in particular, uh, marketing is needing to be, you know, get it, I need to step it up a lot more and, and the, uh, just focusing in on some key things to get that really going is going to really get me where I want to go with my goals. I think it's fun. It's a fun atmosphere, uh, which most business oriented, you know, I'm an artistic you know, artsy person, and I tend to lose interest very quickly if I don't have something to keep me engaged. And, you know, the humor, the real life experience, um, and the casualness of it is just really engaging for me, and it's just very relatable. And so, for me, I am having a, a ball. Like, I was so excited to come yesterday. I was had, I had butterflies, literally, <laughs> butterflies in my stomach, and uh, I'm just really excited to be here. Well, uh, it's an interesting place. It's got a lot of uh, words of affirmation and quotes and things like that. Very positive environment. Um, the people here are very nice and friendly, and I love the way the uh, room is set up. It's very open space type of uh, model, and um, like I said, it's it's a it's more of a casual environment. It's not stuffy and professional. You know, like it's professional, but it's not stuffy professional. There is a difference. And so it's very warm and inviting here. Love the teaching style, love the presentation, uh, very organized and easy to follow. Um, and like I said, the real life experience and the humor just adds that much more to it. I know people who go to different workshops and you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure if they're grasping all of what's being presented there, but I am almost 100% sure that if they come to a workshop like this one, they will get some great golden information that's gonna help them meet their goals if they're willing to apply what they hear. There's no upselling here, um, which I, that wasn't really a big concern for me, but if, we're, if I were talking to someone who's very concerned about upselling, I would tell them that they have no worries here and that, like I, you know, I think that this uh, environment is very relaxed, inviting, warm, and engaging. And so even it, it does actually makes you wonder, like, what else, what else is there? I won't lie about that. Uh, so it's kind of more of an independent intrigue rather than someone pushing you into the intrigue of what else is offered. Um, I recommend coming to this workshop because it is um, intimate, an intimate setting, uh, great people. I've met some really cool people doing some cool businesses and the teaching style and the presentation is awesome. 
here's a little story that I'd like to tell about a DJ named Clay and a doc named Zell. Started way back in 2002 when Clay's life applied for a job interview. They hired a fast Clay star, Dr. Z. 18 years later, Thrive 15. Radio execs called to produce this show. And now, three, two, one, here we go. And now, more from the man whose face was made for radio. Ah, uh, thank you, radio guy. Thank you for always keeping keeping me humble here. Welcome back to the Thrive Time Show on your radio. My name is Clay Clark, and I could not be more excited to be joining you from the glorious box that rocks in beautiful Jinx America. As always, we're broadcasting from the left coast of the Arkansas River, and what continually happens day by day, moment by moment, is many people discover the show for the first time, and they say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, this is a radio show where you guys are not talking about politics. Now, we could be, uh, you know, we could, not to take the room down here a little bit, but we could be uh, talking about uh, London, uh, which, unfortunately, uh, there was uh, many people arrested, at least, what, seven, eight people killed. Um, and there's a place for that discussion. Um, there's a place for that. There's a, there's a time and a place where it's appropriate at least in my opinion, to um, know what's going on in the world of, of politics, um, to care about our uh, friends across the pond there um, in London. However, um, I think sometimes it's, it's nice to be able to switch to a show where it's entirely focused on things that you can control. Uh, because uh, there's, I mean, there's, a, there's a, maybe you don't agree with this statement. This is, I'll, I'll make this statement and you can kind of react to it. But one of my favorite authors, uh, Robert Greene, and you go, Robert Greene, he's terrible. He's, he's a horrible author. Well, Robert Greene writes books that no one reads, which is why I like to read them. But Robert Greene talks about how you're, uh, basically you can't control about 95 96% of what happens to you. You just can't. And so what he talks about is those that are, have the ability to control, you know, 4 or 5%, that, that are really able to be in control of those elements of their life that they can be in control of, those are the ones who end up uh, dominating and, and uh, leading the way. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll just give you an example. Um, you know, I grew up where I didn't have a lot of money, right? Um, now it's, uh, we've been blessed, and it's been somewhat easy to, to produce uh, money of late um, the last decade or so, and I've, I've started a uh, what's now known as the largest wedding entertainment company on the planet, djconnection.com. Started the largest wedding photography company on the planet, epicphotography.com. A lot of weddings there, buddy. Started the uh, Elephant in the Room Men's Grooming Lounge with my brother-in-law. We have three locations to serve you. Started Make Your Life Epic, Oklahoma's number one PR and marketing firm. I say number one in terms of size. Uh, we do more accounts than anybody else that I know. And we just, we, I mean, if, if, by the way, if you want to optimize your website, that's what we do. If you want to build on direct targeting marketing, that's what we do. We can knock it out for you. But, um, you know, it's a thing where um, I like to do this show with you because it's, it's sort of a diversion. We can have some fun. We can talk about things you can control. And one of the things you can control if you're in the game of business is you can control how well you lead, how effective of a leader that you become. And one way that you lead your team is through humor. And we just talked about, if you're just tuning in, we were talking about how Warren Buffett uses self-deprecation a lot because Warren Buffett um, is self-aware and he's also very, very pragmatic. He's very shrewd. And so as a way to make himself tolerable, he is very intentional about making fun of himself. Now, I'm not talking about false 
self-deprecation. He, he does find things that he really is not that great at, and he makes fun of himself in those areas. And he says, I just, here's, here's a notable quotable from Warren Buffett. He says, I buy expensive suits. They just look cheap on me. However, this is also the guy who says invest in businesses any idiot could run because someday one will. But it's that, it's that self-deprecation that makes him tolerable. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play a sound clip where Warren Buffett explains that the, that the communication skills that he learned at the Dale Carnegie Institute, oh, by the way, humor is one of those things, that the communication skills he learned there are absolutely the number one most valuable uh, training he's ever received in life. Because if you're somebody who knows the numbers, you know what stocks to buy, but you can't get people to invest in your fund, you're not going to go very far. So let me cue up my sound clip. And a one, two, three, here we go. I was terrified of public speaking when I was in high school and college. I, I couldn't do it. I mean, throw up and everything. So I, I took this Dale Carnegie course. And as soon as I finished it, I was 20 years old. I went out to the University of Omaha and I said, I want to start teaching because I wanted to get up in front of people and make sure I didn't lapse back. I actually had the diploma in the office and I don't have my diploma from uh, college. I don't have my diploma from graduate school, but I've got my Dale Carnegie diploma there because it changed my life. Drivers, are you hearing what I'm hearing? Warren Buffett just said, this is the guy who is one of the world's wealthiest humans that currently, as of right now, as of right at this very moment, he's worth $74.6 billion, according to Forbes, behind only uh, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, those kind of people. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's actually ahead of Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, who's worth $64.1 billion. Warren Buffett worth $74.6 billion. He says that he has the diploma for the Dale Carnegie Institute that taught him how to become an effective communicator framed on the wall, but he does not have it, the, the, the diploma from college framed on the wall because he said it changed his life. So I ask you right now, I want you to rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 and write the number down. And it's okay. Write the number down. I will give you a moment to do it. I don't even have anything to write with. I'm a millennial and I only use iPads. Fine. Type it in there. Rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 your self-deprecation skills, your ability to be self-aware and to make fun of yourself. Now, I would say, as an example, that I'm a, I'm a B-level singer. I'm probably a B, maybe a B-minus, uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, as good as I get. But I'm aware of it, right? So if I were to ever sing a song, I would uh, know and own the fact that it's a good B-minus performance. But you've got to make a list right now. What are some things you're not that great at? And maybe you can make fun of yourself in that area, and that will become the sense, uh, the, that'll become the source of the self-deprecation. Now, the second element of humor, the second area we can all use is shock and awe. Now, Richard Branson, you know, the guy who started Virgin Records, he is absolutely known for doing insane publicity stunts. When we come back, we're going to... Um, list out some of the insane publicity stunts he's been able to pull off throughout his career. But you might ask yourself, why does he do that? Well, Richard Branson is known as being a maniacally focused person when it comes to growing his brands and really transforming entire industries. And to be that focused and that ambitious with that kind of ego, it just would not be tolerable if the man wasn't unrelenting in his shock and awe-related humor. I mean, the guy does 
ridiculous and often shameless publicity stunts to get the media talking, to get the planet talking, to get everybody laughing, because if not, he wouldn't be tolerable. So when we come back, we're going to talk about shock and awe, and maybe, you know, maybe that's your form of humor. If you're looking for a, you just have to find a form of humor that you can own and that can be you, because if not, nobody with a functional, sound, working mind is going to come and work for you. They're just, you can't work for somebody who's 100% intense all the time. And so because I'm a B-level singer, I'm going to go ahead and sing you a song headed into the break. When we come back, we're talking more about the importance of being consistent when it comes to delivering humor in the workplace as a leader. Said I love you is not the words I want to hear from you. It's not that I O'Neill Bent, and I'm from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I first heard about the uh, business workshops through my wife, Sharita Bent, and uh, I learned a lot more from her, and also got follow-up calls from different members of the organization. Some of the things I've learned uh, about starting my business through Thrive is uh, making sure I'm spending my money on the things I need to spend it on. For instance, uh, like my search engine optimization, uh, my marketing. I'm constantly reviewing the content that I have on my website, and um, that's just a few of the things. The overall experience I've had from the Thrive Time workshop has been uh, wonderful. I love how uh, everything that we learn is practical. It's not based off of book knowledge. It's not based off of uh, someone else's ideas. It's based off things that have actually worked and uh, have been tried and true. When you walk in, I mean, we came into a smell of wood burning. Um, there's a chimney outside, so we walked to the building. And when you get inside, you almost feel like there's like a, I, I don't know if it's, it's like a pub slash club slash work environment. It just feels really good. You have music blaring, uh, friendly faces, people saying hello. And then when you sit down in your seat, you have uh, nice, uh, comfortable chairs, a wooden desk to work on. Um, and everything looks modern, so it's a, it's a really refreshing feeling. Clay's uh, presentation and, and teaching style is very um, efficient, effective. It's also endearing, though, because he's, he's very comical. He'll talk about different things he's been through, um, and they're all very funny. But he also hits the exact points he needs to hit the right time. Um, you never feel like, man, is he ever going to stop talking? You always want to keep listening, and then when it's breath bathroom break time, your surprise is already there. So um, I like how he talks about these practical experiences and uh, it's very enjoyable. The interaction of the workshop is, is mostly uh, Clay will, will give you information that you need to know, but then he also opens it up for questions. So there's always this um, question and response type of situation. And then there's certain things where um, he'll direct you to do things and it's because he knows that's the way to go. You might question it, but I highly encourage you just to listen and do. And to jump into a business and think that you know everything is um, the most prideful, arrogant thing you could ever do. But to come here and to speak to someone who's already done this many times, has directed several businesses, and can give you wisdom and, and information, I think it's, it's wonderful. 
and I think uh, you you can never do anything on your own. You have to have other people around you to help you, and he's definitely helpful. The experience I've ex I've had at coming to Thrive Time uh, workshops is I was never upsold anything. I mean, I come in, they do exactly what they say they're going to do, and they leave it up to you to follow up and do the work. And uh, I think that's the way it should be. So it's very straightforward, and they do what they say. I recommend that everybody should, should check out Thrive Time Workshop because there's so much knowledge and information there that you can use to help you run your business. And like I said before, I, I don't think you can do anything completely on your own. And when you have so much um, resource and knowledge in one area, you can use all of that and, and get exactly what you need. For radio and not TV Talking everything from clay to Z Auto auctions, banks, haircuts, and glasses If you want to sell it, we've already sold it to the masses No classes or prerequisites Just business school as raw as it gets Practical skills, no student debt Z joins clay when he's not up in a jet and now, more from the man who loves algebra so much, he took it three times. There it is again, self-deprecation coming from the voice that voice of choice, the radio uh, epic voice, that, that uh, wonderful man who produces the intros for the Thrive Time Show. Uh, Thrive Nation, we're talking today about a subject that I really want you to latch on because latch on to because Warren Buffett said this changed his life. My friends, success is hard to find when laughter is not present. You simply cannot afford to not be funny or at least attempt humor. You see Richard Branson is known as being nearly maniacally focused, I mean, on growing his brands and transforming entire industries. But his ambition and ego, you and I couldn't tolerate it if it weren't for his ability to connect with the public and the average human through shameless publicity stunts that make us laugh, that make us laugh. Uh, yes, he's ego. He has an ego. Yes, he has huge ambition. Yes, those are virtues that, you know, in our country today, it seems like if you have a huge ambition or a huge ego, people tell you, hey, calm down, buddy, calm down, let's focus on the team. But this is these are just some examples of the things that he's done. And, and, and if you're listening today and you're trying to figure out, okay, I'm trying to figure out my way that I'm going to connect with my team, because if you're going to lead people, you have to have some moves. So I'm giving you the moves. There's five moves that you can use. One is self-deprecation, as Warren Buffett said here. He says, I buy expensive suits. They just look cheap on me. Move number two is the shock and awe. All right, so here's another move. So in both the years of 1995 and 1998, Richard and his team of gurus, they tried to go around the planet Earth in a hot air balloon, and they didn't actually succeed. But they gave it a whirl. They tried to do it. And so it was like a shocking thing. Like, here's the head of a company, a guy worth a billion dollars, is going to go out there and maybe risk his life to travel around the planet in a hot air balloon. Well, why would he do that? One, it gets headlines, and two, it makes them seem like, I don't know, relatable. You say, okay, I can relate to the fact that you're trying to do something big and you didn't achieve it. I can, I can relate to that. Um, Richard and his team actually uh, decided to commemorate the launch of Virgin America by bungee jumping off of a Las Vegas hotel. If you're listening right now and you've ever gone bungee jumping, please email me, info at thrive15.com. And I will, I'm not kidding, I will definitely give you a copy 
of my book Thrive. Just get it. Just come to the come to the Jinx Riverwalk, our world headquarters. Uh, email info at thrive15.com. I will hand. I will give you a book with my hands. I'll give it to you, and I I'm gonna I'm gonna put my hands on you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you, and I'm gonna cast out the the demon of of uh, what in the heck is going on, and just please be safe. What what are you doing? I'm I'm afraid of heights, and wind. Air. I'm. I'm really am afraid of heights, though, and afraid of uh, uh, speed, and afraid of a lot of things. And so the fact, the fact that you would bungee jump um, kind of scares me a little bit. But I would be happy to give you a free book, sign it for you. I'll give it to you right there. But Richard and his team decided to commemorate the launch of Virgin America by bungee jumping off of the Las Vegas Palms Casino during 2007. Now the publicity stunt yet again did not go so well. And uh, it resulted in Richard actually ripping his pants. His body ripped his pants when he jumped off of the side of the Las Vegas Palms Casino during 2007. And he hit the side of the building twice. Oh, that's got to hurt. That'll, 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 that'll leave a mark. But, uh, you know, do you guys remember the movie, the movie Tommy Boy where he, he, he uh, uh, gets hit in the face by David Spade and he wants to know if there's a mark on his face. That's kind of what that reminds me of. And so, you know, Richard Branson, though, by trying these things, he won over the affection of many potential consumers because he's a guy who tried something, and no, it didn't work, but it, it uh, you know, he put himself out there. And, uh, and again, in 2004, he's done more since then, but in 2004, Richard uh, Branson decided to announce the launch of Virgin Galactic by showing up to the actual press conference. My friends, he showed up to the actual press conference while wearing an astronaut suit. Now his new moves, he wants to build the world's best um, commercial space travel business. So he's going to take people who want to go to space, they want to go up into orbit. He's trying to build a company that's going to uh, make that possible. And he has got crazy ambition, but the guy also has self-deprecation as a, as a sense of humor. And he also pulls from the shock and awe uh, area as a sense of humor from that super move. So if you're listening right now and you don't know what your super move is, I encourage you to figure out maybe it's self-deprecation, maybe it's shock and awe. And a great local example of a shock and awe guy is uh, Arthur Greeno. Uh, Arthur Greeno owns and runs two Chick-fil-A's in Tulsa. He's a fabulous father and a uh, great guy. And he has two Chick-fil-A businesses, one off of uh, 71st and Garnett there and one by the, the one in, actually in the mall, in, in Woodland Hills Mall, up there on the upper level where the, where the food court is there. And what Arthur does is he attempts to build the world's largest something in a shameless attempt to uh, win over Tulsa and a shameless attempt to get publicity, and it works, and in a shameless attempt to give back. And so he's organized, since I've known him, and I'm probably missing something, he's organized the construction of the world's largest snow cone. I encourage you to Google this. The world's largest snow cone. He actually tried to do this and uh, you know what? He got he got close to pulling it off. All the, all the media showed up. Uh, I'm not even sure where you start with that kind of thing, but I guess he built like the world's largest snow cone cup and then he had the world's largest amount of ice to put in the world's largest snow cone cup and the world's largest amount of flavoring that's non-organic that my wife probably would not approve of. But he does all this. He gets up on a ladder. He's making it. He's also tried to build the world's largest iced iced tea, uh, the world's largest uh, lemonade, and uh, the world's largest hamster ball race. Now, I didn't even know that people had a hamster ball race at all, but he actually organized the world's largest hamster uh, ball race. And why does he do it? Well, because of this principle of shock and awe, it really does work. It gets the attention of the media. 
It gets the attention of uh, your local community. It gets the attention of um, your ideal and likely buyers. It really does work, but it only works if you're all in. You can't be kind of half in when you do something like this. You can't be, well, we'll see if it works. I mean, you've got to totally commit to shock and awe if you're going to do the shock and awe move. I personally um, don't do shock and awe that much. I'm more of a self-deprecation kind of guy. But move number three, move number three as we talk today about laughter and why it must be present. You know, if, again, if you're a leader, if you're a leader, it's, it's going to be very hard to find success in your organization if laughter is not present. So move number three is the consistent attempt to deliver bad jokes. We've all heard Dave Letterman do his uh, legendary top 10 list. Maybe, maybe if you're a young whippersnapper and you're saying, bro, my name is Skyler and I Ubered my way to work today and I was born on the smartphone, bro, and I bought all my recycled clothes, bro, over at the thrift shop. I'm a complete and total millennial. I have no idea who David Letterman is. Well, David Letterman was a comedian who made a career out of essentially not being funny, but attempting to be funny. And then making fun of himself, he calls it recovery humor, but it's where, where you try to be funny, and if you tell a joke that doesn't go over well, you have some fun with it. And, and so that's what Dave Letterman did. I'm going to play a sound clip of Dave Letterman attempting to be funny, and then the joke not going over well. The category tonight from the home office in uh, Sioux City, Iowa, top ten rejected Disney movie titles. Oh, I want to tell you something. <laughs> Do yourself a favor, snatch up uh, some of that Disney snock, stock. Well, <laughs> Stock. Stock. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was thrown when I actually said the word snatch. You did, yeah. Yeah. Oh, stop it. My friend, and there is an example of David Letterman trying to deliver his top ten list and uh screwing up a little bit, kind of flubbing up the lines a little bit. I mean, who among us hasn't had uh, an example in their life where they've made a mistake or they've mispronounced something. But David Letterman had this ability to, to night after night, connect with the audience and to try to do his best, but to uh, be self-deprecating along the way. And so whether it was David's consistent uh, you know, delivery of his 80% non-funny top 10 list, or whether you've seen the opening monologue delivered by the senior pastor of the Lakewood Megachurch, Joel Osteen, we've all seen somebody deliver a joke that falls flat. And we love the personalities who attempt to push these non-funny jokes uphill consistently. Joel, o Joel Osteen, as an example, is lovingly known for delivering uh, bad jokes to start every sermon. And so move number three is the consistent attempt to deliver bad jokes. Whenever you have somebody who just consistently tries to deliver bad jokes that never quite go over well. There's something kind of lovable about that 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 personality. Somebody who's trying to lighten the mood. And no, they're not the best at comedy, but they don't stop. They just keep going night after night after night. So when we come back, you're going to hear an opening joke by Joel Osteen. And, and you'll tell me why people love Joel Osteen. It, it connects with humans. And uh, it's the consistent attempts of Joel Osteen to deliver the bad jokes that makes America love him. Stay tuned. It's the Thrive Time Show. We're talking all about leadership and how to use humor to keep your team engaged. It's the Thrive Time Business Coach Radio Show. My name is Clay Clark. I'll show you. Uh, I'm Sam Parker. Okay. I'm Karina Parker. We live here in town. Um, we're looking to be in like the food industry. 
Thrive Time workshops, we've learned about advertising and what we need to do to get our name out there, what we need to do to get to the top of Google, and, you know, the necessary steps that we need to take right now to get to where we want to be. The Thrive Time workshop experience is, is really um, encouraging and it's, it's great hands-on um, information and stuff that we can relate to because we're able to talk to people here that are going through the same stuff that we are. There's motivation everywhere. If you don't feel motivated, then something's wrong with you. He's very upbeat. All over the walls. Yeah. Uh, he's very funny, uh, like a comedian, but at the same time, he wants you to learn. And so if you have any questions, he's willing to help you and uh, talk you through anything, any questions that you have, but at the same time making it fun and encouraging for you. He's also very candid. He doesn't hold anything back that most people are like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't say that because it's offensive. Yeah, you can he, tell he's being real. He doesn't real. care about offending people. No, he just wants to help you. <laughs> so I heard an advertisement that said to leave your wallet at home, and I mean, that's what it's been the whole time. It hasn't been like oh, make sure you stop by our table in the back and buy 10 books and sign up for a two-year subscription with us. It was just like, hey, you know, what we do offer, there wasn't pressure, and it's a month-to-month -month thing. It's not like you're signing your life away. For radio and not TV Talking everything from clay to Z Auto auctions, banks, haircuts, and glasses If you want to sell it, we've already sold it to the masses No classes or prerequisites Just business school as raw as it gets Practical skills, no student debt He joins Clay when he's not up in a jet And now, more from the man who loves algebra so much He took it three times there it is again, self-deprecation coming from the voice that cho voice of choice, the radio uh, epic voice, that, that uh, wonderful man who produces the intros for the Thrive Time Show. Uh, Thrive Nation, we're talking today about a subject that I really want you to latch on because latch on to because Warren Buffett said this changed his life. My friends, success is hard to find when laughter is not present. You simply cannot afford to not be funny or at least attempt humor you see Richard Branson is known as being nearly maniacally focused I mean on growing his brands and transforming entire industries but his ambition and ego you and I couldn't tolerate it if it weren't for his ability to connect with the public and the average human through shameless publicity stunts that make us laugh that make us laugh uh, yes he's ego he has an ego Yes, he has huge ambition. Yes, those are virtues that, you know, in our country today, it seems like if you have a huge ambition or a huge ego, people tell you, hey, calm down, buddy, calm down. Let's focus on the team. But this is these are just some examples of the things that he's done. And, and, and if you're listening today and you're trying to figure out, okay, I'm trying to figure out my way that I'm going to connect with my team, because if you're going to lead people, you have to have some move. So I'm giving you the moves. There's five moves that you can use. One is self-deprecation, as Warren Buffett said here. He says, I buy expensive suits. They just look cheap on me. Move number two is the shock and awe. All right, so here's another move. So in both the years of 1995 and 1998, Richard and his team of gurus, they tried to go around the planet Earth in a hot air balloon, and they didn't actually succeed. But they gave it a whirl. They tried to do it. And so it was like a shocking thing. Like, here's the head of a company, a guy worth a billion dollars, is going to go out there and maybe risk his life to travel around the planet in a hot air balloon. Well, why would he do that? One, it gets headlines. And two, it makes him seem like 
I don't know, relatable. You say, okay, I can relate to the fact that you're trying to do something big and you didn't achieve it. I can, I can relate to that. Um, Richard and his team actually uh, decided to commemorate the launch of Virgin America by bungee jumping off of a Las Vegas hotel. If you're listening right now and you've ever gone bungee jumping, please email me, info at thrive15.com. And I will, I'm not kidding, I will definitely give you a copy of my book, Thrive. Just get it. Just come to the come to the Jinx Riverwalk, our world headquarters. Uh, email info at thrive15.com. I will hand I will give you a book with my hands. I'll give it to you. And I I'm gonna I'm gonna put my hands on you and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for you. And I'm going to cast out the, the demon of, of uh, what in the heck is going on. And just please be safe. What, what are you doing? I'm, I'm afraid of heights and wind, air. I I'm, I'm really am afraid of heights, though, and afraid of uh, uh, speed and afraid of a lot of things. And so the fact, the fact that you would bungee jump um, kind of scares me a little bit. But I would be happy to give you a free book, sign it for you. I'll give it to you right there. But Richard and his team decided to commemorate the launch of Virgin America by bungee jumping off of the Las Vegas Palms Casino during 2007. Now, the publicity stunt, yet again, did not go so well, and uh, it resulted in Richard actually ripping his pants. His body ripped his pants when he jumped off of the side of the Las Vegas Palms Casino during 2007, and he hit the side of the building twice. Oh, that's got to hurt. That'll, 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 that'll leave a mark. But, uh, you know, do you guys remember the movie, the movie Tommy Boy where he, he, he uh, uh, gets hit in the face by David Spade and he wants to know if there's a mark on his face? That's kind of what that reminds me of. And so, you know, Richard Branson, though, by trying these things, he won over the affection of many potential consumers because he's a guy who tried something. And, no, it didn't work, but, it, it uh, you know, he put himself out there. And again, in 2004, he's done more since then, but in 2004, Richard uh, Branson decided to announce the launch of Virgin Galactic by showing up to the actual press conference. My friends, he showed up to the actual press conference while wearing an astronaut suit. Now his new moves, he wants to build the world's best um, commercial space travel business. So he's going to take people who want to go to space, they want to go up into orbit. He's trying to build a company that's going to uh, make that possible. And he has got crazy ambition, but the guy also has self-deprecation as a, as a sense of humor. And he also pulls from the shock and awe uh, area as a sense of humor from that super move. So if you're listening right now and you don't know what your super move is, I encourage you to figure out maybe it's self-deprecation, maybe it's shock and awe. And a great local example of a shock and awe guy is uh, Arthur Greeno. Uh, Arthur Greeno owns and runs two Chick-fil-A's in Tulsa. He's a fabulous father and a uh, great guy. And he has two Chick-fil-A businesses, one off of uh, 71st and Garnett there and one by the, the one in, actually in the mall, in, in Woodland Hills Mall, up there on the upper level where the, where the food court is there. And what Arthur does is he attempts to build the world's largest something in a shameless attempt to uh, win over Tulsa and a shameless attempt to get publicity, and it works, and in a shameless attempt to give back. And so he's organized, since I've known him, and I'm probably missing something, he's organized the construction of the world's largest snow cone. I encourage you to Google this, the world's largest snow cone. He actually tried to do this and uh, you know what? He got he got close to pulling it off. All the, all the media showed up. Uh, I'm not even sure where you start with that kind of thing, but I guess he built like the world's largest snow cone cup and then he had the world's largest amount of ice to put in the world's largest snow cone cup and the world's largest amount of flavoring that's non-organic that my wife probably would not approve of. But 
he does all this. He gets up on a ladder. He's making it. He's also tried to build the world's largest iced iced tea, uh, the world's largest uh, lemonade, and uh, the world's largest hamster ball race. Now, I didn't even know that people had a hamster ball race at all, but he actually organized the world's largest hamster uh, ball race. And why does he do it? Well, because of this principle of shock and awe, it really does work. It gets the attention of the media. It gets the attention of uh, your local community. It gets the attention of um, your ideal and likely buyers. It really does work, but it only works if you're all in. You can't be kind of half in when you do something like this. You can't be, well, we'll see if it works. I mean, you've got to totally commit to shock and awe if you're going to do the shock and awe move. I personally um, don't do shock and awe that much. I'm more of a self-deprecation kind of guy. But move number three, move number three as we talk today about laughter and why it must be present. You know, if again, if you're a leader, if you're a leader, it's, it's going to be very hard to find success in your organization if laughter is not present. So move number three is a consistent attempt to deliver bad jokes. We've all heard Dave Letterman do his uh, legendary top 10 list. Maybe if you're a young whippersnapper and you're saying, bro, my name is Skyler and I Ubered my way to work today and I was born on the smartphone, bro, and I bought all my recycled clothes, bro, over at the thrift shop. I'm a complete and total millennial. I have no idea who David Letterman is. Well, David Letterman was a comedian who made a career out of essentially not being funny but attempting to be funny. And then making fun of himself, he calls it recovery humor, but it's where, where you try to be funny, and if you tell a joke that doesn't go over well, you have some fun with it. And, and so that's what Dave Letterman did. I'm going to play a sound clip of Dave Letterman attempting to be funny, and then the joke not going over well. Hey! What's this lying around? Hey, shut well, what the hell are we supposed to do, you moron? War's over, man. Wormer dropped the big one. What? Over? Did you say Over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough... The tough get going! Who's with me? Let's go! Come on! Where's the spirit? Where's the guts, huh? This could be the greatest night of our lives, but you're gonna let it be the worst. Oh, we're afraid to go with you, Pluto. We might get in trouble. Well, just now I must have Not me! I'm not gonna take this! Mummer, he's a dead man! Marmalade, dead! Dad, Pluto's right. Psychotic, but absolutely right. We gotta take these bastards. Now, we could fight them with conventional weapons. That could take years and cost millions of lives. No, no, no. No, in this case, I think we have to go all out. I think this situation absolutely requires a really futile and stupid gesture 
be done on somebody's part. We're just the guys to do it. Let's do it. certain point thrive nation what is the point uh well my dad made me watch that movie over and over as a kid and i often found myself wondering what is the point of this movie but the point is thrive nation is if you don't have a little bit of humor a little bit of conversational lubricant it's just a grind doing business i mean there's so many times so many situations during the daily uh, uh, runnings of a business where you have to hold people accountable and they just push back. They don't want to do what they're supposed to do. And you encourage them to. You could read all the management books in the world. You could, you could make the perfect agenda. You could have the perfect spreadsheet. They could know why. I mean, you could have read Simon Sinek's book, The Power of the Why, once, twice, three times. But at the end of the business day, if there is no humor, if there is no humor, then you're going to have a very, very hard time inspiring your troops to want to do what they need to do. Because success is hard to find when laughter is not present. Now, another kind of humor that you could use is the dry humor. Now, the dry humor is the kind of humor that intense people typically result, uh, they typically, um, they kind of, uh, by default, they, 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 they tend to use this move. It's kind of uh, the Greg Popovich move. You know, Greg Popovich is the uh, longest tenured NBA coach, the longest tenured National Basketball Association coach. Uh, he's coached the the, uh, uh, the the San Antonio Spurs to multiple championships. And then you have Bill Belichick, who is the longest tenured National Football League coach. And guess what they both have in common? Winning? Yes. And they both have an unbelievably consistent dry sense of humor. They just have this ability to, uh, you know, to, to make people laugh and without really getting, uh, without putting a big smile on their face or without making an obvious attempt at humor where they're trying to be a jokester. They're not losing that intensity, but they weave in some humor that gets everybody chuckling. And that's called a dry sense of humor. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how to develop a dry sense of humor. If that's maybe more your flavor uh, more your field. We, we have to find some move, some go-to super move that we can use during the day-in, day-out runnings of the business to lighten the mood. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to inspire the people that work with us to consistently do what needs to be done. It's the Thrive Time Show right here on your radio. My name is Clay Clark. I'm the former USSBA Entrepreneur of the Year. So glad you're here. And we come back, we're talking more about leadership and why you have to be funny and specifically, we're going to teach you the importance of dry humor. Stay tuned. We the best music. Another one. DJ K. Yeah, yeah, looking at the truth, the money never lie. No, I'm the one, yeah. I'm the one early morning in the dawn. No, you want to ride now. My name is Sean Lohman, and I'm from here in Tulsa, actually, Owasso. I own a residential redevelopment company, so I buy properties, and then I fix them up, and then I sell them for a profit. Well, Thrive is very non-industry specific. So when we come here, there's business owners from all different aspects of business. You know, they're doing all different industries, and he's teaching us how to look at it from that angle because he's he owns nine businesses Clay Clark owns nine businesses so he's he knows what's in common with all of them 
So he's teaching these big principles, things like just the backbone of how a sales conversation should look, or specifically what your, your marketing campaign needs to look like in order to make it be sustainable. Um, those are some of the biggest things that I'm gonna take away and implement immediately. It's, a, it's an intimate environment. You know, there's less than, less than 30 people here, business owners, so you get a chance to ask questions and it's just really informative and um, inspiring. Oh, this place is cool. There's a lot going on in here. There's a lot to look at. Um, there's a lot of uh, inspiring and motivational things on the walls and lots of accomplishments and just uh, a very cool yet productive atmosphere. I'm coming in here yesterday and you know we're, there's a sales team in here, it was Friday. So you know they're, they're ringing appointment bells and hitting gongs when they're making sales and it's just a really um, motivating environment to be in to see you know, how, this, how this business is done, basically. Clay's presentation style is really great. This is kind of a no BS, very direct sort of style, but he'll also get you know, non-specific with, with what he's teaching, and then he'll get very specific, and he'll use stories throughout the process to really help it connect to you and, and make it implementable. Consistently, he is, he's offered an opportunity to ask questions at the end of each workshop, and so that's really where you know, the learning takes place, is asking those questions and, and getting those direct answers so that we can you know, take those action items away from that. Uh, I don't see enough questions being asked, and sometimes that's just natural, um, but if people are missing out on the opportunity to ask questions, they're missing out on the opportunity to learn. And so if there's anything that's going to stop you from learning and growing, it's you. If you're here, you're going to learn and grow as long as you're motivated to do that. And these other seminars that I've, I went to six actually in the last year. So uh, of these six, uh, at, at every single opportunity, you know, at the end, they're all, there's always a back of the room thing. Hey, you can spend a little money here and get this or that or this. And although those things are helpful, that's not always necessarily the best feeling we want to get. So he wants us all to know, and he's very clear about the fact that he's not trying to upsell us anything. His motivations are different. He's not trying to sell us. He's trying to help us. He's trying to mentor us. And he's very open about it. So I'd say it's, it's awesome. That aspect of it's awesome. We need more people who are motivated in this world. We need more people who are willing to become entrepreneurs, who are willing to create jobs. We need more of that. There's not enough of it. So that's, the, to me, the message. That's the, the goal is mentor a million people is this company's idea. And it's a beautiful idea. And I'm behind it 100%. So I want to contribute in any way I can as I move forward. This is just awesome. made a mixtape in my dorm room i can't believe this it doesn't seem true i won't stop though till everybody knows that thrivetimeshow.com started from the bottom now we here 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 all right welcome back to the thrive time show on your radio if you started from the bottom and now you are here Hopefully that is a good story. Hopefully you started from the bottom and you found a way to work your way up to the top or at least near the top or some way near the top. But a lot of times when you are a leader and you find yourself at the top, sometimes you actually want to go back down to the bottom because the top is pretty tough. I mean, being at the top can be a tough uh, thing to do. I, I know for me specifically when I built uh, DJ Connection, uh, the only part I didn't like about uh, building DJConnection.com was it, most of the time being at the top in terms of with the uh, the teammates um, because I made the uh, decision to, some, to hire some people that I would not normally uh, choose to be with. And uh, so I found myself surrounded by idiots a lot, uh, people that I'm just not fond of, didn't want to hang out with, didn't want to be around. 
and that was a poor hiring decision. So over time, uh, as I built the business, I continued to uh, prune the tree, if you will, and uh, through attrition and through uh, just uh, firing, uh, I made was able to move up, upgrade, find a better group of people. And before I sold it, I can honestly say I was surrounded by a lot of really, really good people. And uh, but the but the issue is when you're surrounded by good people uh, or people that make you nuts. Either ways, people are not going to want to listen to what you're saying unless you have at least an underlying. Um, a sense of humor. And you might be saying, well, why do, why do I have to have a sense of humor? Well, success is hard to find when laughter is not present. And so on today's show, we've been walking you through the five moves that you can use to lighten the mood a little bit in your office when you're holding people accountable. The first move is self-deprecation. If you're just tuning in, self-deprecation. And uh, Warren Buffett once said, he says, I buy expensive suits. They just look cheap on me. Right. Uh, the second move is shock and awe. That'd be like Richard Branson, you know, the guy who uh, is famous for the Virgin Brands. But this is a guy who, in 1995 and 98, attempted to fly a balloon all the way around the planet, and uh, he didn't do it. Now, he also decided to bungee jump off the side of a building, which just doesn't seem like that smart of an idea. He uh, bungee jumped off the side of Las Vegas's uh, uh, Palms Casino during 2007 to celebrate. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how it tied in, but how to celebrate the opening of Virgin America, the airline company. And uh, it ripped his pants. He hit, he hit himself twice on the side of the building. Uh, in 2004, um, to announce the launch of Virgin Galactic, the guy ended up uh, wearing an astronaut suit to a press conference. But that is the shock and awe move. I know Arthur Greeno is a big fan of shock and awe. If you're from Tulsa and you know who Arthur Greeno is, send him a text message and tell him how much you appreciate some of the stuff he does. Because this guy's done, uh, he's trying to build the world's largest lemonade, uh, the world's largest snow cone. Uh, the world's largest, almost anything this guy's tried to build here in an attempt to uh, engage uh, his customers, to have some fun, uh, to get in the media. He's actually done the world's largest hamster ball race. Uh, the guy just has a lot of fun at work. The world's largest lemonade. These are, these are things that, uh, that, that Arthur just loves to do. And so maybe that's not your move. Maybe self-deprecation is not your move. Maybe uh, shock and awe is not your move. Well, the third is maybe you can just attempt, and we played some uh, sound bites for you, of uh, Joel Osteen, where every single Sunday, uh, the pastor of one of America's largest churches gets up there and attempts to deliver jokes that, as a general rule, are not funny or that the audience isn't really a big fan of, but he does it consistently, and that's what, that's what we love about him. He's lovable because of his consistent attempts to deliver Bad jokes. I mean, there's something enviable or um, something that we all like about having somebody who gets up there and delivers a joke that falls flat but just consistently tries to do it uh, night after night. And then there's Dave Letterman, right? I mean, Dave Letterman, for years, he did his top ten list. And, and a lot of times, he'd go th halfway through that list and he would discover that, uh, you know, no one was laughing. But he went with it. And so, as leaders, uh, the next move you have is, is, is dry humor. Dry humor. Now, as leaders, when things are really tough and when the heat is really on, your, your sense of dry humor will consistently let the tension out of the room. Now, dry humor consists of being able to, to, to say something that's extremely funny while not exhibiting any obvious attempt to sell the joke or make it funny. You know, a lot of times in, in humor, you know, you, you, when, you, when, you, when you tell a joke, you're like, all right, so here's the deal. Uh, there's uh, three guys walking to the bar, you know, there's like the Pope, you know, there's like, there's always a, a, a religious figure, you know, there's, there's the Pope, there's a rabbi, you know, and then there's a guy at, uh, who works at uh, Taco Bell. And uh, they walk into the bar and all three of them say, ow, 
you get it, and you want to say you get it because you're trying to sell the joke, like you know you're you're trying to sell that. Or what's a what 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 what's a pirate's favorite restaurant? What's a pirate's favorite restaurant? And your friends are going, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't even really want to participate in the joke. But sure, you're the guy that always tells the jokes. Fine, I'll, I'll put up with you. So you say, R, so what, what, what's, a, what's a, favor, a pirate's favorite restaurant? And your friends go, really? Do we have to answer this question? No, listen, now you walk, walk the plank or answer the question. And then you say, there's no, there's, Billy, there's no plank. And you say, oh, well, listen, you would answer the question. So I will ask you again, what is a pirate's favorite restaurant? And they say, uh, I don't know. And you go, Arby's. <laughs> you get it? And you always want to say, like, you get it, or you kind of laugh, or you try to sell it. Well, dry humor is where you don't try to sell the joke at all. Dry humor consists of saying something that's extremely funny while not exhibiting any attempt to sell the joke. So time and time again, you'll see dry humor delivered by the most intense leaders to make them tolerable. I mean, the, mo- the longest tenured uh, National Basketball Association head coach. This is, this is the longest tenured coach. The guy has been coaching the longest amount of time in the NBA. That's Greg Popovich, the coach of the San Antonio Spurs. Now, the NFL's longest tenured coach is who? My guy, Bill Belichick, the head coach of the New England Patriots. And they both rely on dry humor to uh, uh, make them lovable to people despite their intensity. I mean, their intensity is legendary. I mean, Bill Belichick's won his Super Bowl rings not by, you know, hanging out and being a a casual dude. He's won by holding his team accountable, pushing his team to be the best, coaching them. And he, what he does is he uses this dry, sarcastic sense of humor to uh, make himself, uh, you know, tolerable. And so uh, Logan Ryan, he's actually one of the uh, Patriots cornerbacks, he once said, he says, he's a funnier guy than the reporters give him credit for. He said his sense of humor, dry. He has a dry sense of humor with some sarcasm mixed in. That's Logan Ryan explaining, explaining Bill Belichick. And so when we come back from the break, I'm going to play you some Bill Belichick and Greg Popovich highlights so you can hear um, the best of the worst. These are guys who are super intense. They're guys who are known for being the most, probably the most intense coaches um, in their uh, profession. And they're also the coaches who are the longest tenured. And they're also known, known for winning. And they win consistently. But why? Why do they rely so heavily on humor? Why do they mix in humor so consistently? Well, the reason why they do it is because it works. Um, it allows the, them to be intense, but to release the tension out of the room. If you can't do that, then people just don't want to be around you. And you've got to find a way to be intense enough to hold the team accountable, but also uh, to bring some humor from time to time so the people on your team will actually want to listen to the messages that you're trying to convey. My name is Clay Clark. You're listening to the Thrive Time Show right here on Talk Radio 1170. Uh, You can check out the podcast version of today's show and every single show at thrivetimeshow.com. And we come back after the break, Greg Popovich, Bill Belichick, it's dry humor all over the place. My name is Tyler Schultz with Witness Security from here in Tulsa. Well, I actually started listening to uh, Thrive on the radio, 1170, and uh, then I got my dad into uh, listening to the show. 
And then it actually turned into Clay gave us a call and uh, we started actually working with Clay on a weekly basis. He's helped us drastically when it comes to the SEO getting us high, a little bit higher in different markets. Uh, we then he offered the conference and just learned a lot when it comes to the sales and um, the employee side of things. It's going to help our business drastically. Oh, very um, intuitive, just uh, pulling you in to break down each part of your business. Uh, the interview process, the employee process, um, if employees not working out, we let them go. It's a drastic experience. You just have to come and check it out. I mean, there's so many things that they can help you with. Clay's a funny guy. Uh, he just wants to get into each and every uh, person's business and help you out. Oh, I know I've asked a couple of questions and he's uh, broken down that question and answered it uh, in several different ways. There, there are so many different things. The SEO, uh, first and foremost, he will help you get the, the more business coming in. And then once that is coming in, then he uh, helps you with the employee process of, uh, do I need to hire more people? Do I need, what, what do I need to put in place? And he gets you there. You hear of all the other different type conferences, and I, I myself have never been to one, but uh, the walking on coals and all that stuff, that just seems like a bunch of hype that isn't really needed. And I know of several people that have gone to those type conferences, and yet they haven't, because there's no action, actionable deals, you really don't have any moving forward steps. It's just hype, and it's not needed. Well, just the cost in and of itself versus $6,000 for one conference and no actionable steps versus $1,500 and there is actionable steps. Uh, you can't beat it. I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad Buy all of the things I never had I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine smiling next to Oprah and the Queen. All right, Thrive Nation, welcome back into the conversation. My name is Clay Clark. I am the former US SBA Entrepreneur of the Year, the father of five human kids, a man who burns more pinion wood than almost anybody else in Tulsa. I uh, am not a beautiful man. I have a face made for radio and a mind ra uh, made for uses that they haven't really come up with. But the point is, I do know how to build successful businesses. And uh, the question I get a lot from people that have a, uh, a business that is going well, it's starting to sell well, they're starting to achieve their financial metrics uh, from coaching clients. I get, I get this question asked to me all the time. People who reach out to us for business coaching who have an existing uh, business, it's, it, they already have, let's say, 20 employees or more or 20 teammates or more, one of the questions is, how do you how do you lead? How do you get people to actually do what they're supposed to do? I mean, the ability to get people to do what they're supposed to do is uh, one that I think a lot of people will struggle with. You know, uh, John D. Rockefeller, who, uh, to give you a little context, John D. Rockefeller, um, he talks about management as being the toughest uh thing there is to do. I mean, John John Rockefeller, okay, this is the guy who was the world's wealthiest man during his lifetime, all right? And he talks about management. He says, management 
is he says good management consists of showing average people how to do superior work. But he also goes on to say that he says management is the the quality that he's going to pay more for than anything else. He says because management is so hard to do. He's talking about how management is just um, it, it's very 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 hard. Uh, to, to, to do. He actually says management, he says management is a commodity, the ability to manage people is a commodity that he's actually willing to pay more for than any other commodity under the sun. Uh, John Rockefeller said that that's the number one like skill set that he prizes the most because so few people can manage people, but yet he in his businesses, that was always the, the lid. Uh, John Maxwell calls it the law of the lid, but the ability to get people to do what you need them to do. And so what happens is, if you're a leader and you're holding people accountable, um, eventually um, there's going to get to that weird time where you want them to do something and they choose not to do it. Or you want them to do it and they forget to do it. Or you've had the 37th meeting about the same thing and you're just trying to say, what in the world? Why are you not doing what you're supposed to do? Well, in the NBA, that's the National Basketball Association, and in the NFL, the National Football League, they fire coaches all the time. I mean, they're going through coaches. Like most teams, about every three or four years, are going through a new uh, coach. You know, there's teams like the Steelers, and there's some outliers out there like the Seahawks, where they're going to have the same coach for, you know, 10 years or seven years or a, lo- a vast period of time. But the guy who's had the most tenure, meaning he's been on the team the longest as, that, as the head coach, the guy who's had the most success and who's been in charge of his team the longest is the New England Patriots Bill Belichick, Coach Bill Belichick. He is, from, from a, as a business coach, I look at him and say, that guy is one of the tr- most tremendous coaches out there. And there's Greg Popovich. Now, Greg Popovich is the longest tenured National Basketball Association coach. He's the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. You know, David Robinson, who's uh, one of our partners here at Thrive15.com, he actually, uh, uh, Popovich was David Robinson's head coach. And then uh, he was the head coach for Tim Duncan during the entire span of Tim Duncan's career. And now Tim Duncan's retired, and he's still the head coach. I mean, that guy's been there a long time. And how does he do it? Well, what he does is he rely, both these guys rely on a dry sense of humor to make themselves tolerable. And so I have some sound clips I'm going to cue up here. And we're going to go with, uh, first, we're going to start with uh, Greg Popovich. I'm going to cue up kind of the best of Greg Popovich and uh, we'll just see uh, how the dry humor works on you, how it goes over. I personally think it's hysterical. Maybe you don't like it a lot. But the thing is, the, the players who work for him love it, and they report that that's what makes him human. Because if he was intense all the time, and at no point was he laughing or attempting to uh, be humorous, it would just be too intense to handle. So here we go, a little bit of Greg Popovich, the best of Greg Popovich, right here live on the Thrive Time Show. Can't they send somebody else out here? Sorry, Coach, it's you and me. There's no eighth game, is there? This is the last game. That's the best news I've heard all day. About five games, five blowouts to us who don't really know the, the game. How do you explain that? You're serious. You really think I can explain that? Okay. The Marcus Aldridge is one for six. Tim Duncan two for six. Do you have to tell me. You got to tell me that stuff. I already know that. Okay. What What's the to... question? How do you get him to be more involved in the fourth quarter? I'll ask him nicely to shoot the ball better. Where do you see your team coming up with stops to win this game? Where do I see it? I see it right here on the floor. I love you. 
Love you. Pop, what are your objectives where LeBron is concerned? <laughs> are you serious? We're going to keep him from scoring. What the hell you want me to do? I don't know. Jonathan Simmons. Players playing. You shoot and it goes in or it doesn't. And Jeff for San Antonio, once again, people are saying, as we immediately have a hack-a-shack call, I don't believe it. Five seconds in. No, but but that was... But that's a joke. Yeah. Who's the one guy who asked the third question, isn't it? Would you just get two? My bad. <laughs> TP. TP. No. You're doing great. Greg, why will your team win tonight? Why will my team win tonight? I, I hesitate to tell you uh, why I think we'll win or won't win or what's going to happen. I have no clue what's going to happen tonight. Jonathan Simmons, for us who don't know much about him, what do you hope to get out of him when we see him in the fourth quarter? I want him to play well. From the way you guys played game three to the way you guys are going to play game four, something strong that you have to change? No. Anyone else? Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Back for the start of the fourth quarter. Coach Popovich, your thoughts on the third quarter? We're behind. Are you able to appreciate the opportunity in the moment, or is that for another time? It's torture. It's hard to appreciate or enjoy torture. From Monty went to the locker room late in the fourth quarter. Is he, is he good or physically OK? He'll be, he'll be fine. Okay. Or he's out for the rest of the playoffs. How happy were you with the shot selection, even though they came back? Happy? Reasonably. Happy? Happy's not a word that we think about in a game. You've got to think of something different. Happy, I don't know how to judge happy. Fair enough. In the middle of a contest, nobody's happy. Coach, what is the worst torture? To talk with journalists or to, to be one hour away from the final? Oh, this is one of the joys of my life right here. I, this, is, this is great fun. <laughs> There's nothing I would rather be doing. And the questions are so incisive and well thought out that how could one not enjoy the challenge of trying to find the answer? Well, Coach, with the regular season around the corner. This what is a preseason, right? We got to do this in the preseason? Are you kidding me? Part of the contract. In the preseason, we got to do this? Coach, how did your guys manage the last couple of days? What was the mindset like of your team? See, so, you know that, you know, he stayed up late for that one. He didn't just wing it. And his boss sent him a little note. He, he thought he had a list of about 10 questions. And he, as the day went, he eliminated this one and this one. And you came up with that one. I think that's a great question. Uh, what was the question? That was Greg Popovich. And when we return, we're going to be talking more about dry humor and other types of humor that you can use to alleviate the tension that you are creating unintentionally as a leader. Stay tuned. It's the Thrive Time Show on your radio. My wife Jensen uh, Watts. We have. She has a photography business that we're trying to get um, up and growing. So I, you know, listen to talk radio. I drive a lot for work, um, and you know, got tired of listening to radio all the time. And I can't plug my phone into my truck. It's it's too old. Um, and so, you know, one day the Thrive Show was just in place of the talk show I normally listen to, um, and it was, you know, definitely more entertaining than most radio shows um, and so that's you know took about a week or two before I actually looked more into it 
I think it's wonderful. It's, it's been great. It's a great environment. Um, I love the feel in here, and I really love how you know, entertaining uh, Clay can be as well. Um, yeah, I am so grateful to be here, and um, I've loved just learning everything. I'm, t I'm learning a lot about branding and how to market my business, because that's kind of where um, I've had a hard time is I can take pictures, I'm good at it, I have my prices and everything, but it's hard to get the clientele, so learning about the marketing has really helped me, and I can't wait to implement it into my own business after this, because it's been so great. We're so grateful to be here. I think yeah. I can go home and... Like, I have it written out, the, the steps that I need to take and, and everything, it's very practical. Yeah, a big thing that's, that's helped me, um, you know, even without business stuff is just, you know, a, a mental attitude aspect they have that I can apply to my current job and current life. I love it. I am laughing a lot of the time and it's so entertaining and I, I just love being here. It's awesome. I, I really like the smaller class group, um, so it is more of an interaction, even if it isn't, you know, a constant, raise my hand, here's the question, here's the answer. Um, it's just that kind of feel, just, just a smaller It's great. Yeah. They haven't tried to upsell us anything. It has all just been very knowledgeable, and they are just teaching you how to grow your business. So. Yeah. Clay's been very giving with his, his time, um, his knowledge, his talents. Um, you know, at work, you know, when I was telling people about this, like, I hope you're not joining some get rich scheme. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, even if it is, he's not going to charge me for it. So, yeah, I'd recommend it. Um, I mean, I would even love to come again. Now, here's a little story that I'd like to tell about a DJ named Clay and a doc named Zell. Started way back in 2002 when Clay's life applied for a job interview. They hired a fast Clay stock Dr. Z. 18 years later, Thrive 15. Radio execs called to produce this show. And now, three, two, one, here we go. And now, more from the man whose face was made for radio. Oh, yeah. You got to feel good when you hear that kind of hype, that kind of intro, when you come into that kind of. Uh, expectation. My name is Clay Clark, and you are listening to the Thrive Time Show on the radio, and I am the father of five human kids. Well, what, what does that mean when you're the father of five human kids? Well, what it means is I've done certain activities that have made that possible. Um, very few activities that I've done. My wife did the majority of the activities after I did my original, my original activity, but the point is I did an activity, she did many more activities, and now we have five kids who are involved in tons of activities, cheerleading, uh, landscaping, uh, a lot of landscaping right now, uh, activities, music lessons, uh, uh, you're going to camp, Camp Canacuck, camp, <clears throat> excuse me, wow, you know, Thrivers, one of the joys of being on live radio is that it's live, we get to connect with each other. Uh, one of the things that's kind of not good about being on live radio is if you ever have to clear your throat or you ever have any type of... Uh, you know, just normal human things like you're going, hey, I'm I don't, by myself in a, in a room talking by myself. I'd like to clear my throat. You really don't have um, an escape hatch. You can't go over here or you can't go over there. But that's, that's neither here nor there. My name is Clay Clark. You're listening to the Thrive Time Show. And what we're talking about today is leadership. And specifically, how do you decrease the tension in a room when you're holding people accountable? Because you hold people accountable, as a general rule, people don't enjoy to be uh, being corrected, being held accountable, being pushed. Those aren't usually um, character attributes you seek out in a good friend, right? In a good friendship, you typically don't go, 
I'm looking for somebody to push me, somebody to hold me accountable, somebody who will correct me all the time. Oh, yes, that's what I'm looking for from a friend. No, typically people look for friends who, what, make them laugh, friends who encourage them, friends who, you don't know, maybe maybe they give you false kindness from time to time. They go, you're, you're beautiful. Ah, oh, you, you are a beautiful man. Maybe that's what your friends do. I don't know. But in management, what happens is, is that if you hold people accountable, you're going to run the uh, a risk of, in, in, of I don't know, uh, harassing people from time to time, of bothering people, of, of interrupting somebody's natural flow, of getting them irritated. And that's why you have to use a little bit of humor. And so today's entire show is focused on the success is hard to find when laughter is not present. We're, sp- we're focusing specifically right now on dry humor. Now, dry humor, if you're saying, what, what is dry humor? Dry humor consists of really saying something that's extremely funny while not actually exhibiting any uh, specific or obvious attempt to sell the joke to make it funny. And that's what Bill Belichick and Greg Popovich do. Greg Popovich, the longest tenured coach in the history or in the National Basketball Association currently, and Bill Belichick is the longest tenured National Football League Association coach. And as a business coach, I love studying coaching and people who are successful as coaches over a long period of time. And so now I'm going to play a little audio um, highlight reel of Bill Belichick and some of the things that he has said during his press conferences and just statements he makes that exhibit that dry humor that's allowed him to be tolerable and excellent and to push his team uh, for years as the head coach of the New England Patriots. So here we go. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert in footballs. I'm not an expert in football measurements. I'm just telling you what I know. would not say that I'm Mona Lisa Vito of the football world as she was in the car expertise area. You've prepared to face this Peyton Manning-led offense more than 20 times in your coaching career. Is there one common thread that stands out to you over the years? Um, I guess Manning. Unbelievable. So that's how Bill Belichick and Greg Popovich do it. Now, the final uh, form of humor we're going to teach today, the final um, move that you can use to lighten the atmosphere in your office is this concept called developing a persona. Now, my partner, who's typically join, who typically joins me inside the box that rocks here on a talk radio 1170, the guy who typically, uh, the, the co-host with the most, the optometrist turned tycoon, the man with the plan, Dr. Zellner, he is a big fan of this concept called Showtime. Now, he has this commitment to keeping the mood upbeat and light in his office, and it involves him committing to leaving any negative emotions at the door and to embracing this mindset that once you, once in this case, once he walks into the workplace, it's showtime. And uh, the former uh, executive vice president of Walt Disney World Resorts and one of our partners, this guy used to manage 40,000 people, by the way. Lee Cockerell used to manage 40,000 people. If you don't have his books, you should definitely pick up his books. His books on time management are legendary, and his training on time management on Thrive15.com is awesome as well. But this is what he says. is He says that he calls the employees over there at Disney World, he calls the employees cast members. You know, it's not that he calls them um, employees. They call them cast members. And if you ask him why, it's because of this concept of showtime or developing a work persona. Embracing an upbeat workplace uh, and and persona really involves you, though, as an owner saying, you know what, I'm going to be consistent with this. I'm not going to just try it for a week or two, but I'm going to go out of my way to consistently exhibit a 
funny or fun uh, persona. Because if, you, if you're not consistent with it, then people will think it's kind of a sham mockery and it's a scam and people won't think it's sincere and it won't go over well. And so the best example I could give for you is Herb Keller. Uh, Herb Keller is the legendary uh, founder of Southwest Airlines and the former CEO. And one of the things that Herb Keller was known for is that whenever there'd be a, a tense situation in the office, he would just randomly break in to uh, an Elvis impersonation. That was terrible. Uh, his impersonation of Elvis was not good. Uh, no one ever affirmed him and said, wow, that's a good impersonation. But he just kept doing it year after year after year, and it became more and more of a joke how unfunny it was, but he just went with it. I mean, could you, could you imagine being in the meeting uh, with a guy who's the head of one of the largest um, airlines on the planet, uh, Southwest Airlines, the only profitable one most of the time, and uh, think about that for a second. There's JetBlue, there's Southwest Airlines, and there's everybody else. I mean, they're actually a profitable airline. What? They're not trying to get a government bailout. What? This isn't a political show. No, but think about that. They're one of the only profitable airlines on the planet, but they're known for being what? Fun. And so what he does is he does these random Elvis impersonations. The other thing he does, which is kind of funny, is he loves talking a little bit of trash or at least getting into it with his competition from time to time. So during Monday night football commercials, the guy will consistently put on a uh, referee outfit and he'll basically call penalties on the competition for the things that he believes are fouls, like charging you for bags. If you're one to hop on a plane, you packed all your stuff, you're ready to go, you're going on a trip, a business trip, and then they ask you if you want to check your bag, if you want to pay to have the bag put on the plane, or I guess the other option would be to leave your luggage to, to basically go where you want to go, but leave all your stuff. I mean, you no, know, you have to, you, you want to bring your stuff. That's why you packed it, right? So they hit you with these extra bag fees. And on Monday Night Football during the commercials, he has made fun of his competition for charging you for these uh, stupid fees. And the other thing that, that, uh, uh, that he does there, Herb Keller does, the, the founder of Southwest Airlines, is, uh, again, he likes to get into it with a competition um, in, in some more epic ways. And if you read his book called uh, Nuts, it's a case study about Southwest Airlines. You can learn more about it. But uh, one thing he did that was really funny was the CEO of one of his major competitors made a negative comment to him about, um, you know, uh, the, the way they're painting the planes. They have these airplanes, these Southwest 737 uh, jets, and uh, the, the competition was making fun of him for doing that. Thought it was childish and unprofessional and how dare you paint Shamu on the side of a 737 jet. That's not professional. Meanwhile, a lot of families wanted to get on that plane because it makes air travel a lot more fun and it was a great cross promotion with SeaWorld. And so what he did is he delivered an above ground pool filled with chocolate pudding. And uh, it was designed to, he had to put a little note with it that said some things I can't read on the air, on the air. but essentially he invited his uh, consumer to enjoy Shamu's whale poop. And uh, that's a documented story. If you want to read it, you definitely can. But that's how the great leaders do it. They use one of those five moves. They either use self-deprecation, they're going to use shock and awe, they use a consistent attempt to, to sell bad jokes, they use dry humor or they develop a persona that they're consistent with. And on the Thrive Time Show, we are consistent with wanting to have a lot of fun. We call it edutainment. It's the merging of entertainment and education. That's edutainment. And that's why we do it, because we're trying to teach these business concepts, but we want to have a little bit of fun along the way. And so one thing I like to do on occasion is I like to bring my kids onto the show. And so today I have dragged on the man with the plan, the, the future co-host with the most, the dude who's got an obsession with mowing, my son, Aubrey Napoleon Hill Clark. 
Aubrey, how are you, my man? Good. So how old are you at last count? Ten. Okay, so apparently you have kind of a scam, kind of a business, kind of a move, kind of a thing you've been starting here. Can you tell Tulsa, what is the name of your business? MotownTulsa.com. And what, what are you doing with this business? First, Mel, our yard is free, and if you like it, then, uh, then depending on the size of your yard, it's anywhere from fifteen to thirty-five dollars. And what's your website, my man? MotownTulsa.com. Again, if you're writing it down, that's MotownTulsa.com. Unbelievable! This guy's got his own website. He's getting his dad to drive him around on the weekends. It's MotownTulsa.com. That's my son Aubrey. My name's Clay Clark. Until next time, three, two, one, boom.